The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So then there were two, Cannon. We have the dream final, Cara Finn versus Dr. Crooks. It's what we all wanted, except if, if you're from Guidor or from Mullinahakta. It's the dream final. Two brilliantly brilliant footballing teams that showed it again on Saturday, how good they are. And finally, we're going to see them on the best pitch in Ireland mm. and the heavyweight super clubs in football. We couldn't have asked for any more. No disrespect. Guidor, in fairness to them, they put it up big time and they can hold their heads up high. And Mullinahakta, in fairness to them, made it a game a lot longer. When Buckley went, saw red and they're three points down you're thinking Jesus Christ yeah. this could hardly they were 1-33 to so at least they kept that game interesting when I was thinking this could be you know yeah. they could be under pressure here so we saw two good games we saw a full good game with um, Guido Corofin and we saw mm. a first half of good com- uh, competitive football in yeah. the other one it's good like you just started to believe a little bit when you're watching that Mullen Lacta game it was like jeez oh, like as you said like when Buckley gets sent off like you could hear the crowd as well getting so excited and the two goals that went in and I think um, I think Crooks missed a goal chance early on I was like jeez this could be the day like you know they might have just caught them here but yeah but, like it is a dream final and it's like the two the last three champions as well so it's the last it two is the two best teams in Ireland but, everything. You know. the Johnny Buckley thing was interesting what were TG Cahar doing not showing us a replay of that you could kind of see it off Oh, yeah. So there was, they didn't show any replay. I I don't understand that. I would have thought it was in midfield for a fetch for a, a kick out. Yeah. Surely there's footage of that. Is this a policy of theirs? Because they come in, didn't see uh, didn't see replays of everything I would like to have seen in in the in the first game either. But that Buckley thing. This is a midfielder being sent off yeah, for a challenge that I could see on the top of the camera but you didn't even see a replay of the bad kind of view yeah. to even get a, a look um, Dr. Crooks are saying there was no strike whatsoever they're going to try and get it make sure he's okay for the final it was a coming together for a kick out which happens all the time mm. I didn't think there was much to it from the tiny little kind of view you might have got of it yeah I assumed there might have been a reaction and you know when the camera sort of went it sort of followed on to the right then and then Buckley sort of went off screen I was like I wonder did he swing back or something yeah but Buckley looked to be behind him maybe I think he said I saw a quote I think it was one of the selectors said Johnny Buckley and his man were pushing each other and your man just went down and the referee probably sent him off for a striking offence there was no striking offence as far as we're concerned so like I mean he's fair, they're fairly uh, serious about that so whether if there isn't I don't understand it if there is video footage of it why would they not show the replay if there's none well then Dr. Crooks are going to be in trouble getting them off if there's no video yeah. evidence unless they recorded it themselves which they probably wouldn't if this is on if this is on national television and the ref was talking to the linesman as well he was, he was getting a tight from McGilligot and John Keegan like they seemed to be really targeting him from kickouts like obviously it's going to go to Buckley because like, they were all over him like so I, I just wondered did he react at some stage and then when he put his hand up on the referee's shoulder I was like oh has he done something here like you know it just seemed like there was yeah. nothing in it like, yeah. you know I don't know what you saw I'd, I'd, I've never gone down the road of trying to brown nose a referee no it's not. Quite, it's like if a guard catches you speeding and you try to brown nose him and he, <laughs> and he still gives you the ticket you feel like an awful little weasel afterwards like I didn't need to do that and I didn't get what I wanted Yeah. Still, so yeah. the referee is not going to change his mind if you put your hand on his shoulder and say ah ref what? he has decided 
so you're as well off just stand there and take your punishment like a man and stop trying to stop <laughs> <laughs> and if, if, if a guard pulls me in for speeding I just yes officer I realise I was speeding I don't give him the I don't give him the sob story that he actually wants because yeah. they just want to uh, that's what they want and they're going to give it to you anyway. You have no emotion, really. <laughs> no emotion. I'm blank face. I look straight ahead. I'm You've ready. caught me. You've caught me. Well <laughs> yeah, done. Fair play. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I know how this deal works. One one thing that the. Uh, I thought the umpire falling over was funny. This was doing the rounds on Twitter after the game. Yeah. It was the ball went up so high. I admire his commitment because this is an umpire that was taking his job very seriously. And we've got some issues with umpires on this show yeah. that they don't probably move and get a, a decent view. We saw on the hurling, um, Tony Kelly scored a point, and it was definitely a point. And it's not like they're even straining themselves, even at the far post. But this lad really wanted to get a look at this. Yeah. This umpire is the best umpire in the GA. Remember yeah. two years ago, Kerry played Dublin down in Tralee. They drew 13 each, I think it was. And he was the umpire that went sprinting down to the corner when Paul Ganey had the ball in the corner. He, so he left his post and he went running down just to make sure the ball wasn't going over the line. Or really? And then as Ganey was trying to sell dummies, he was sort of shuffling along beside him. Like, you know, it was like he was defending. And he's actually he used to play for Tyrone as a goalkeeper. Uh, Martin Conway, you call him. Right. So, um, yeah, he's got previous of being like really committed to the cause. Martin Conway, remember that now. Listen, if we could all have umpires that were as young and sprightly and could move running backwards as fast as him, even not knowing where he's going, it showed a lot of courage too going backwards because you don't know you could get struck yeah. from behind there. He could be a cameraman, anything there as well. <laughs> he just no no care for his own personal safety just to get this call right. Eye on the ball all the time. Eye on the ball, yeah. So I think I was, uh, we'll, we're, we're going to talk to Gavin White in part two the roadrunner I call Gavin White because he never stops. Like Kieran Malloy as well. We'll talk about them in part three for performance of the weekend. I don't know about these fellas, the GPS stats they must have. But Gavin White's coming up in part two. So we'll focus on the, the Guidor uh, Corafin game. And Guidor obviously got it back to two points with 10 minutes to go. Cassidy was outstanding. Um, and I think it was just experience. Like, I mean, I think Guidor could hold their heads up high. They played well, they did fine. Like, Corafin are a better team than them. That's the reality yeah. of it. But they kept it honest right till the very end. And they, they could have gone away on a couple of different occasions, but they didn't. They show great kind of character and they're a good team as well. And it was just, I think it was Corafin's experience. The minute they got it back to two, you see Cassidy going one more point kind of on the camera. And there was no more point yeah, because this is Corafin just lifted a little bit then. And it's Guidor's first ever uh, semi final. We know that. And uh, Corafin have been in, in loads in recent years. So, like, I mean, there is no doubt that experience counts at that squeaky bum time in the game like that. Yeah, absolutely. There was one stage, I think Ian Burke caught a kick out and he just stood there. He just took the mark and stood there. And then. Ian Burke? Uh, yeah, he so he was out and he caught the kick. It was around the forty yeah. meter mark. He got he got the mark anyway, but um, caught it and stood there with the ball. And then just like we over fell, like came in late. And then it was just like there was another opportunity then to waste another minute because Ian Burke just sort of held his head then and went down on his knee because the guy did come in and hit him like you know and yeah. it just it seemed like that for the last fifteen minutes even though he got two points behind you're like oh here we go and then Corfin just took control and they slowed everything down and they held the ball ah, they're brilliant at holding the ball but when they do decide to attack then they're intricate passing yeah. like they're like Croaks Croaks maybe play a little bit sexier the passes but. Uh, Corafin's hand passing and, and angles of runs and support they have enough lads up there that can do this I keep maybe it's just you look at Mayo you look at Kerry you look at Dublin you look at Corafin you look at Crooks and maybe they're doing that because they have the talent to do it but you'll never play have good forward moves unless you have a few forwards running off the shoulder but their support play everyone is always there 
as an option. And yeah. if you're coming in and there's a couple of fellas back as sweepers, sure, without options, you're at nothing. You're at nothing. <laughs> you're just recycling. Now, they played on the outside, but when they decided to go in, they went in with their good purpose. Yeah, they really stressed the pitch as well. Like I think Jason Leonard sort of summed that up. He was always out in the sideline and then always darting in. It wasn't like he was taking a ball on his heels every time he took yeah. it. He was coming off the sideline and trying to get away in. If it wasn't there, he came back out or whatever. But yeah. and, and then the, like the second goal was the Ian Burke's hands. Yeah, I've never seen his quick hands. I mean, like I know we talk uh, about it all the time. But and the finish then was practically a lob. It was just <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Goal. Ian Burke like, must be the best like inch for inch catcher and like just has the best hands, no yeah. doubt. And da and catches it and before he even brings it down, it's gone onto somebody else. There's always a runner coming off him as well. Like it's just. Uh, they are just a joy to behold and hand passing has never looked so good it never looks so good but they're not afraid like Sice will give it like they're, they're hand passing but with a view of when the minute this opens and we're kicking it in yeah. and then, then we'll run off Burke do you know what I mean yeah. it's not like we'll hand pass and we get might get through, through. Yeah. We, the, the, the kick pass is what they want now they'll, they'll, they'll be patient and if, if the hand pass thing opens up because someone comes across at a lovely angle and somebody comes alive then and here we go they'll take that any day but they're usually looking for the two lads inside and Burke's all, you know Burke's always shown they have it down really don't they because they've such a great forward line and they've such great options of how to hurt you know what I mean to how to hurt yeah. teams and they really like yeah they really counteracted like with our strengths as well like I think Gary Sice was getting interviewed afterwards and he's just like oh yeah we had a plan like because they were asked about Darrow Boyle and Oren McNeely and how quiet they were and, and he just sort of highlighted the four boys so Liam Silk was obviously picking up McNeely a lot but yeah. he said about Dahi Burke and Ronan Steed and Leonard as well he said all four of them were sort of taking turns at watching these two in their runs and stuff so just, just that idea like you know that they would be that slick and then you saw at one stage I remember Silk dispossessed McNeelish as soon as the ball went down he was away then the other side trying yeah. to make McNeelish come back after He kicked him. a great score now I thought McNeelish came into it now Silk got the better of it but it was a, like I didn't understand that from Guidor because McNeelish has been midfield all year and they put him centre forward to give Give now, I'd say Carfin might have put Mac, Liam Silk on him anyway, but that would have messed up their kind of shape a little bit. Whereas putting him centre forward just let Liam Silk mark him as a centre back and didn't really mess yeah. up. You know what I mean? I was like, why do that? It was very obvious that that we said on we said on Thursday show that they'd put a wing back or somebody yeah. onto, but. They just gave them that man marking job, and and Corafin's team stayed the way they wanted it. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, ah, that and didn't seem like the smartest thing to do. And it didn't, like, yeah, it didn't give Burke or Steed a headache then as well because they didn't have anywhere else to go. They no. could just keep playing midfield as normal. Like they were, <laughs> yeah. they were marking Eamon McGee, who I thought played fairly well, and who's the other mid? Oh, Bo- oh Boyle. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, the midfielders just, I'd say the two Corafin midfielders were like, oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not following. Yeah. I thought I was going to be playing centre back, even like you know, if still having the, yeah, yeah. having follow him so like I mean don't give the opposition what they kind of want you know because yeah. McNeilish had been midfield all year McNeilish as well I thought he no listen it's a 20 yard free but like I think it was um, your man as a column Eamon column took a 20 yard free at the start and missed and I was like oh, why is McNeilish hitting all these like do you know when your man had a bit of a routine and oh yeah I don't mind routines but the idea of a routine is to try and slow the whole environment down and get you back to kicking normally but his routine was like doing this weird thing with the ball as he's running up and that's not how he would kick normally your yeah. routine's supposed to be like to get you to a stage where you can just kick as you normally would nice and he was and calm, yeah. throwing the ball up as he was running and do you know like listen you could sort of pick out all these little moments and that doesn't cost you a game but I was thinking then when there was 15 minutes to go and there was two points in it it's like oh there might have been a point in it here if McNeilish was just taking all the frees and 
like, like you've got Ormick Nilish in your team let him kick all the frees yeah Parathin <laughs> had goal chances too though yeah, like, I mean no. they did open them up and like I mean the Guidor goal shouldn't have been a goal at all and your man McFadden the cornerback must have taken 15 steps yeah. how is that he didn't play the ball once now you can understand sometimes and we've talked about this how referees seem to turn a blind eye you take your four steps you take a good shoulder and they might give you another few to come out of that mm. or you know you ride a challenge and all these t- kind of things and you kind of think that you should be allowed to be fouled and yeah. that's rugby we've been down this road <laughs> But th- this fella didn't t- even play the ball or bounce or sold the ball once. He just kept running. Yeah. Like to uh, any man who hasn't played uh, Gaelic football and to know that the rule is four steps, you're not being fooled by anything here. It was a terrible, terrible decision. He just kept running. Yeah. And you're saying this is the most obvious overcarrying kind of foul I've ever seen. And that, that makes defending worse as well. You know, the longer this goes on, like overcarrying isn't a thing anymore. Refs don't blow it as long as you look as you look convincing. Like if you don't hesitate. And he did look convincing. Yeah, he was he like, really I'm going did. straight here. Like, yeah. you know, it's very positive and I'm going and then I'm going to pop it off. But like, yeah, um, yeah like just referees, as, lo- as long as they don't punish it, it sort of ruins defending because you're not waiting for the bounce anymore or the, the solo to make a tackle. You're just looking to stop them and normally that's just push him in the chest or get your hand hands around him or somebody comes in from behind and yeah. it was all just about stopping the man now rather than trying to get the ball and the longer they don't bring the ball out then the more chance of that happened yeah no it was definitely a weird one what did you make of Lundy's black card I thought it was very very harsh um, I think we see forwards all the time going down and just bringing a, a hand down with them and if we're going to give black cards for that all the time I think he did bring the hand down with him but I think he let it go mm. and I think that I think McFadden Ferry I think he made a bit of a meal out of it I think I don't know maybe by the letter of the law I think players when they fall might McFadden Ferry was going down anyways regardless whether Lundy had him I think I don't know. I just thought it was a harsh uh, black at that stage of the game. Yeah, I like, and again, they, they showed a replay of that, but they didn't sort of show a close up or anything. It was hard to see exactly what Lundy was doing with his with his hand, his left hand, when he was down. I, I like, I don't think when he hit the ground, he didn't stay holding him. No, he was looking the other way. Maybe his foot yeah. was there, but like, yeah, I, I don't think it was that like that cynical. Like, in, your man, like McFadden Ferry, had turned him over. Like he was going to get his free anyway because they had sort of stalled together. Yeah. So the ref just didn't need to be intervening there with a black card. I don't know. Maybe it's a problem with the black card rather than the ref. I don't. I don't know. But yeah. when he, the ball gets turned over in the middle of the pitch, they've got the free now anyway. They're going to play it, and then just yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit harsh on Lundy. But I just think that because you often see now where forwards are trying to be clever and they'll take on the defender the minute he puts his hand in, they'll go down holding his hand. Right, we know yeah. that. Now referees have got a bit clever with that, so they're not given frees for it. So are we going to start seeing black cards for that now? Because technically if if that Lundy thing was, if you're saying, Right, well you try to drag him down with you, that's a black card offence. Yeah. I've never seen a black card for that except for Lundy's one there, which Lundy kinda of, maybe he locked his hand a little bit in when he was falling, but immediately let it go when he hit the ground. Yeah. I don't know, like I mean I don't I don't I don't think that's a black card offence. I, I really don't. <sighs> was it a Tyrone Donegal game in the Ulster Championship a couple of years ago and it was at Tyrone's the, the ball got turned over in Donegal's area and Tyrone were attacking again but somebody got clipped so they're about 140 yards away from goals and they got clipped and it's a black card you know but it shouldn't be a black card yeah, sort of thing so maybe it, it just comes back for. to the rules but as you say like you look at soccer now like people leaving their leg in hoping they get tripped up is that going to start being the case now where you yeah. sort of leave something in and hope somebody is caught pulling you back or something yeah and it is a natural reaction if you just lost the ball and you see something you're just going to 
hit it <laughs> like do you know and then somebody clips up and you play get a act, card play yeah. act on it yeah I saw Ian Burke won a lovely free just before half time like I mean this is as clever as come where he just turned his body completely yeah, around and, and took it in the back and then uh, fell forward there's nothing that's not immediately lovable about Ian Burke he just <laughs> plays Gaelic football mentally on a different level to any other player in the field and we said this about Galway he sees things way before yeah. everyone else he makes things happen and even if this is just coming on the loop around the lad you, he might be on the 45 and there might be bodies back you say this is going to be positive and he's going to make something happen out of this he's going to see a run that somebody else hasn't seen he's just a sensational player a set. they're so lucky to have him because yeah. he just makes any forward line tick it's almost like he sees everything in like a bird's eye view. Do you ever watch his movement? Like it's like he sees the whole defence and where they're going. Yeah. So when they're all running in, and he's always shuffling back out and finding the space and always free. Like in that one, yeah, I think it was Gary McFadden that fouled him. Like that was just a case of here's an all star and here's a good club player. Yeah. Do you know? But yeah. it's like it's just, just too it's, smart yeah. for him. Just too smart. Yeah. So calm all the time as well. Like on the ball and off the ball. Just always in control of every situation yeah ah, he's a gem no he definitely <laughs> is there's no doubt about that I thought it was a funny one Dan McBride punching the Curriffin player in the kneecap like that was one of the most stupid things I've ever seen like he was lucky to get away with it because at the end of the day that's a punch whether mm. that's in the face or whether it's in the leg he just got frustrated and he punched him in the knee like I mean how sore is that going to be on your own knuckles like I mean punching a fella in, <laughs> in his kneecap it's just dumb for starters but he got away with it anyways but like I mean I think that's just all you can say about that game is that just Corrafin were that little bit better and that's the reality and Guidor have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of to stay with them they stayed with them we said it would be close didn't we we said we all said Corrafin would just shade it yeah. but it would be close and it was close right up until the end yeah. so like I mean it was really good two passes I want to draw attention to before we move on um, Gavin Burke for Cara Finn I think it was a pass to Steed or Dahi Burke I'm not sure I think it was Dahi Steed Burke, yeah. Dahi, Dahi Burke, Burke slipped up didn't he, he slipped yeah. but this point was on and instead of going for the obvious point he just played a beautiful yeah. true ball I don't think we see that this is a number 10 in soccer Burkamp in Tonry this is these kind of beautiful balls I don't think we see it that often in yeah. GA because you often think when the pass is, when the point is on you're going to take it you don't see the disguised yeah. sneaky passes maybe because you don't have true balls because there's no offside and you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. you don't probably have it but this was an, an opportunity and then Gavin O'Shea pass for the Kieran O'Leary goal chance where he's coming in the end line and he just whips it back out to the edge of the edge of the D yeah Beautiful. That's like, another soccer one. Like you pull yeah. back. Like, it was yeah. a, a pullback type thing. Like I mean, two passes at club level by two club players um, that were just out of the very top drawer. Like I mean, that's just super, super Gaelic football. Yeah, and it really, it, you really do have such a, an opportunity there because you watch. I think it was definitely the, the Gavin Burke pass, like like Andy Moran's pass. Like the defenders yeah. all stop. I think it was Eamon McGee this time in the middle, and you just stop when you see him pulling the trigger. Yeah, you're like I'm not all you stop do, yeah, it over. Yeah, and then he doesn't put it over, and then suddenly somebody has been alert and they've ran on in. Like everybody stops, so there is such a good opportunity there. That pullback is a class one like how many times do you get caught on the end line and you're like ah oh, Jesus yeah. and you're trying to bull your way through just and the great thing about that pace there was a lot of pace on it as well yeah. like he whipped it back across didn't yeah. he that, like, so it should, like, it's almost like a, if you start working zonally like if, if a player's here this is where you should be now so if somebody's on the end line get somebody now to the edge of the D yeah. because the ball's going to come don't back start here. thinking of ways of ruining these no, passes no I'm thinking of ways of attacking here like, so the attacking team like if he's here you get back yeah actually it's a good way to <laughs> defenders they stop it too yeah I want some and posted at all times in this thing for this beautiful pass and we want to cut this out of the game forget it everybody back <laughs> I saw Kieran Donahue was tweeting about this and this is um, 
Nigel Owens. So it was from a rugby game. It was on TG Cahar and it was Nigel Owens who went into both dressing rooms before the game. He stood in the dressing room in the middle of the dressing room with the rugby lads all standing around him and he explained, you know, what he was going yeah. looking for for the game, met, met the players. And Kieran Donaghy says that the GA should learn a lot from this. It sets the tone from a rest point of view and builds up the bond between players and officials. It was done when we played the Aussies down under in the international rules. The way the refs down there talk to the players is top class. I don't see anything wrong with doing something like that. I think referees and players should have uh, more of a cordial uh, relationship. I think referees, because they're all different, should come into the dressing room and say, lads, I'm, I don't want any messing today because I'm going to be very serious. These are my bugbears. I don't want to see it. And you're being told here now. So yeah. we don't want any crying when this happens. I'm very harsh on the, on the black card with whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm very hard on picking a rolling ball. I'm very harsh. Any verbals today. Now, lads, I'm telling you this here now so there can be no complaints. I don't come complaining to me out there. Yeah. Anyone talks back to me out there is on a yellow straight away. Now, are we all okay with that? And the players <laughs> will say okay with that. Now you've taken responsibility with the referee for not doing that. Yeah, like immediately you're going to change your attitude. You know what I mean? And the referees explained it in a in a, yeah. a mannerly fashion. We're all human beings here, lads. We all want to have good games. I want to have good games. I'm just letting you know what I want from you to make us all yeah. be able to play best. And if a referee talk, because some referees have awful arrogance problems. Like I mean, they don't explain to you. And not that they deserve you deserve an explanation, but I think from a referee's own point of view, being a sound person and knowing when a player is frustrated about a, a decision and giving him some bit of feedback on it really calms him down rather than ignoring him when he's really yeah. so who was it on the who was it on the it was Tom Ryan plays for Limerick you wouldn't have been watching the Kilkenny Limerick game yesterday you're our football correspondent but he was caught for overcarrying and he was livid and he starts jumping up and down giving out shit to the referee referee just ignore him not even not even entertain him there's about t- 10 minutes to go here so then the camera pans to everyone shaking hands at the end of the game and here's Tom Ryan back in the referee's ear now. <laughs> but you know what I mean like and I've done this loads of times yeah. because they're not telling you like even if they say wasn't sure about that one uh, Wooly but I had to make the call you were like oh jeez that's fierce honest and sound about it like yeah. I mean, do you know you, that was borderline there that was borderline but I, t- I made the call on it now le- you're going to have to leave it at that yeah this is how I saw it yeah that's how I like, saw it any of my favourite referees that's exactly what you get from them and when they make a mistake they'll sort of tell you or not like they won't say they made a mistake but they'll tell you what they thought they saw Yeah, and I remember yeah. one time getting my nose broken and like sort of complaining to the ref did you not see that and he came over and saw the blood and he was like Jesus I'm really sorry I didn't see it and you're like oh, we can't be angry at him then like you know he's just being honest he's telling you I am just calling what I see like and that idea of going to the changing rooms beforehand is good because they also hold themselves to a certain standard then as well. Like, because they've yeah. said what they're going to be looking out for and what they're going to be clamping down and it means they won't get sort of carried away with the emotion of the game then as well and start flip-flopping. They'll remember that I've said this to the players we'll have to try and keep... Yeah, keep no, it that. definitely is. I think it should do and it's done in the international rules means it's, it's done in, uh, in ASL, Australia, yeah. AFL and like, I mean, definitely... It and I like genuinely think it's it's like everything with players. If you tell them, if if they take ownership of their behaviour, it's like in a squad. If they take ownership of what standards are need to be set, and they all have to say, "This is what we don't want to do." Says lads, "This isn't me. This is what you've decided." Once you've decided, then you're in trouble. You have to live by yeah. what you've decided. It, the, obviously, the issues arise there in early meetings where certain uh, certain fellas 
create these standards that maybe everybody not, might not be able to follow. But anyway, that's another. <laughs> that's another. I want to briefly talk about this uh, David Brady tweet. I don't want to go too much into it. It made no sense. It was so long ago. You're entitled to celebrate a win. They would have worked hard since then. Like everybody, if you can't celebrate a provincial title with an eight, nine week break to another. Yeah. It's nonsense. It's the, it's the type of nonsense. And we've all heard them that some drunk fool in your clubhouse would say after a loss. Yeah. And all the players would say, would you shut up? You don't know what you're talking about. Now, you have to understand that's the standard of analysis of that tweet. This lad's paid for his opinions by off the ball. Like, I mean, you have to, like, I mean, this great news for us. You have to admit that the <laughs> a com- competition in the podcast market actually uses this fella that is tweeting stuff that a swerve job in your club might, <laughs> might say. You know, because that's the kind of guff that would go on late at night by somebody that was drunk saying, well, Jesus, you know, you might, shouldn't maybe have so over-celebrated. You know, like, it's yeah. stupid. It really it's is. absolutely dumb. So they all rounded on him anyways. And, like, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But for a professional pundit to come out with something like that, I've told you before in Crow Park, this is the type of level of punditry this lad comes out with. Uh, this was I've said this on the podcast before so this is when Aidan O'Shea is put in full back to Mark Kieran Donaghy so this is one of the bravest tactical calls that maybe since I've started doing punditry mm. uh, professionally that I've ever seen right so this was just so out of the ordinary he said in Croke Park and getting paid good money by Croke Park interviewed at half time doesn't really matter who plays where or what tactics what matters is the result at the end of the day <laughs> Nothing contributes to that result. That, that's it. Like that's the but that's his t- style of analysis. So like I mean, uh, that's that's just the reality of it. And he's preaching about winning to the McGees and Cassidy. Like this fella's lost four All Ireland finals. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, you like, can't. You just, it's, it's just it's just mind-numbingly dumb. The, and the idea that like you know Cora Finn would only beat a team because they were drinking ten weeks earlier. Like Cora Finn are the All Ireland champions. Yeah, there's probably been like hardly any team as good as them ever. Yeah, and just like, got over them. They had them back to two yeah. points. And Kevin Cassidy, the fella who threw out all the videos, was arguably man of the yeah. match. I saw Paul Hertig get on to him from Cross McGlenn because all the All Irelands they won was a five they won and he won a, a All Ireland with Armagh as well and he was like we celebrated every Ulster title that we won and of course they did like you know, especially yeah. when it was ten weeks earlier not like it is absolute drivel oh, like, it's you know? so it's so stupid <laughs> you see you have to wonder where the likes of this fella's ha- head is at and Dick Clerkin and these lads and they, they, they just make such stupid calls and things like, I was really surprised he didn't delete it I just thought he would delete the tweet like maybe and realise how stupid it was maybe he wanted the attention maybe he's not getting phone calls about doing punditry this year and he wants to get himself out I don't know how these lads minds work so, like I mean I, what's it like to be a pundit who isn't very good yeah Maybe that's the. That's I, I, I wouldn't know. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there, and we'll come back with Gavin White. I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street, and I'm coming back out, and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out. And they're roaring at me, hey, Coffrey, you free state bastard. (laughs) 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 And and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. (laughs) 
Okay, so Dr. Crokes are back into the All-Ireland final after beating Mullen Ahakta on Saturday and TG Cahar's man of the match, Gavin White, joins us on the line to talk about this one. Little bit of panic stations halfway through the first half, I think, Gavin. Um, yeah, no, in fairness to Mullen Ahakta, they, they started very strongly and they played a bit through everything at us. Um, I suppose there were 20 minutes in, we, we were under the cash a lot with the second goal going in, especially when, when, when Johnny went off. But... Um, no, we kind of regrouped and got out of the force again and, and, and drove on from there with a very strong end to the first half, I suppose. And, and, we, and we took on then into the second half as well with another strong 10 minutes that kind of created a cushion for us, I suppose, into, into the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, that was the big winning of the game. How you responded to that um, red card and going a man down and three points down. It, you know, you kicked some great scores towards the end of the first half and then the start of the second. And the game was pretty much over at that stage. Um. Yeah, as I said, yeah, look, we, we created the cushion, I suppose, and we kind of we kind of kept on that at arm's length for 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 a lot of periods of the second half. Um, as you said, like after after the red card, like I suppose everyone kind of brought it up another level. Like, um, so David Todd came out there to see like and had a serious game of field. Um, Tony inside, I suppose Tony and David kicked, kicked some serious scores along with along with the rest of them. Looney had a great game, and Kieran Look, we all we need to score some everywhere, like, and we needed everyone to. To push the car as much as they could, especially when we went down to 14 men. Yeah, no, you definitely did. Kamir, what's the story with the Johnny Buckley red? Because TG Cahar didn't show any replays of it. What's your take on it? Um, yeah, look, to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't really see it um, when it happened, and I haven't seen any footage of it yet. So, uh, look, we'll be hoping there is some footage, but I suppose in the second goal went in, we were all kind of under pressure that we were all kind of looking to see what we could do next. Like, So, we, we didn't really take much thought for this until. Until the ref brought it back, um, all I can remember is, is Shane kicking the ball out to that. He, he was like saying in the 45 yard or halfway line, and the referee was putting it back, and, and we were unsure what, what had happened. So, look, at the, uh, as I said, I haven't seen anything of it yet, and like, we're just hoping that there's, there's going to be something that will help us. Yeah. Is it, what was Johnny saying in the dressing room? Like, was he saying there was no strike? I presume it was for a strike or something that, or is he wouldn't have got a straight red. It looked like a, a kind of a coming together in midfield, but it was so far off the actual action, it was hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. Look, look Johnny is probably the most honest player I've ever played with, both with, both with Kerry and Emma Crooks. Like, so I'd be, I'd be absolutely shocked if there was, if there was a strike in action. Like, but um, as you say, like, yeah, I, I think it was just maybe a coming together or something. Um, Right, okay. Come here. I meant to ask you about being the favourites because, like, you were 1 to 33 against Mullen at the weekend, and you're favourites pretty much in the Kerry Championship and throughout um, the Munster Championship. What's it like just going into every game like that, having to obviously get up for it as much as the opposition are going to be up for it to play you? Um, yeah, I suppose, yes. Uh, like, I suppose we were favourite going into the game, like and all that. And look, Malacca had us under the ropes there very, very early on. Like, um, I suppose we, we just keep we we set our standards so high up down and cross like that. We we always aim to to master our standards and try to get even better if we can. Like, so I suppose that's a big thing with us. Like, that's kind of our motto that that we're kind of we're playing we're playing to get up to our standards and, and playing at our level. That you know we kind of we kind of don't really. Look into the what the public think or whatever that whatever that might be like, but um, as you say, it's, uh, like everything was going to come in and, and throw throw the kitchen sink at us like like Monaco did the weekend. Like it, it's just up to us again, like to to play to play what we can do, and uh, I suppose look, that's what we aim to do 
with every game really to tell you the truth. Um, we don't really look into into the into the public eye or, or anything like that. Like we just concentrate on ourselves and do as uh, do as best as that we can do. You play unbelievable football. Like I mean, it's just love watching you play, and it must be a very enjoyable team to play on. You know, like I mean, some of your forward play is, is incredible. Like lovely little diagonal passes and lovely runs off the shoulder. And then you have yourself bombing forward from the half back line. Like I mean, you're not restricted in any way in what you want to do uh, creatively. Yeah, look, I think a lot of that comes down to to, to Patsy and the work that he's done, uh, not only at the senior level, but but uh, right throughout the club. Like, um, I can remember when I was maybe only eight or nine, like, and, and Pat was training me down in Cork. Like, so I suppose it, it has started from there. Like, really, um, look, some 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 of the play that we we played yesterday, I suppose, with the adapt to to the fourteen men, like, and, and we did. I think we did so very effectively, but. Um, yeah, no. Look, it's, it's brilliant to be to be playing with some some serious players, like with, with, especially with Tony there yet, uh, during the weekend. Like he was on fire, David Shaw, and then you then you've Colin coming on, like which which is another massive boost. Us, like so. Yeah, look, it's it's very enjoyable when things are going right, and thankfully they they have been going like this for yeah. the last number of weeks and hopefully we can carry forward now to Paddy's day. So you play uh, wing-back and you play centre-back. They're the two positions I've seen you playing and you play centre-back the exact same way as you play wing-back. You just you go forward and you put your man on the back foot. It, like, I mean, is is that your... I have to tell you, I played wing-back a lot and I could never adapt to centre-back. For some reason, I wasn't sure when to be holding and when to be going and stuff. But you seem to... Um, you seem to have it figured out. Um... Yeah, look, I'm not sure if I haven't figured out. No, to tell you the truth, but they're they're definitely two different, completely different positions. Like as you say, with Holy Mac and all that. Like, um, I suppose my running going forward is is a big factor in my game. Like, and I suppose at centre back you're more conscious of that and whether you're going forward and when you have to hold and things like that. Like, so I suppose it's it's just you want to challenge your marker as much as you can. I suppose and, and yeah. put them in the back first, whatever whatever way that might be. Yeah. Uh, but no, of course, at centre back you you have massive responsibility to hold the house and make sure that you're doing your your main duties first and and, that, and that's defence like you know. So um, yeah, but yeah, definitely on the wing and the centre, they're, they're the two completely different positions, I suppose. And it's just what reading up the game and reading up what's in front of you and that, that kind of dictates what to do, I suppose. Well, that's the thing. Like I mean, but that that is an important part of wing back play, isn't it? Um, you know, Gavin, because like I mean, it's almost like a game of you versus your marker, and when you go forward, you can play and get a score. You have him rattled, and the sideline might be telling him to to watch you, and you know you're thinking in your head, "I have this lad now." Whereas at centre back, if you're told to hold a little bit more, that power's taken off you, and you're, you know, I don't know, it's a, di- a completely different dynamic. Yeah, of course, definitely. As you say, like. It's- I suppose it just comes back again to wherever you, you can get that extra little edge, I suppose, uh, and how you can put your your the opposition in the back foot. Like I suppose last and on against Monaco, it was it was kind of I suppose a different kind of scenario with the fourteen men and all that. Like so, I suppose everyone was was trying to do that bit extra to compensate for the for the man down. Like so, um, I suppose I attacking last day was probably a lot more than was probably a usual centre back would do. Like but. Yeah. Do you think, like, I mean, when you get on the ball in the halfback line, do you think, Jesus, we're three points down? I need to make something happen here. You know what I mean? And and go forward. That would you be t- processing that in your head during the game? Uh, well, I suppose whenever you're getting on the ball, you want you want to make an impact some way, whatever that might be. Um, 
I don't think there's, I don't think really scoreline comes into it much. Like you're, you're, you're constantly just thinking about the next ball, the next ball. What can I do here to to improve the team, get a score or whatever? Like, um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just I think it's whatever is in front of you really that you're just trying to make an impact whenever you do get on the ball. Like, and so you might you might get on the ball five six times in the game, like, but it's what you do with those five six balls that's going to make a difference. Yeah, exactly. Come here, what are your GPS numbers like? I reckon they must be off the charts. You don't have to tell me the the secrets of the Kerry GPS numbers, but you have to be in the top three or four, are you? Um, I would like to think so. And, uh, <laughs> uh, McCall, we, we don't wear them all across, but I suppose we are probably up pretty high up there right now, to be fair. So you're in the top three or four. Wait, you're, in the, you're in the top one or two. Well, can I narrow it down even further, can I? I don't know about the top one or two, right, but... I've, I'd be aiming for the, the, the top five or six in there. Right, okay, Definitely. great. So, come here, what's it like to be missing out on Kerry? Because, like, we saw with Curra Finn last year, only Ian Burke got back on the Galway team. And, like, I mean, it's just a poxy way that the, the structure of the year um, works, that the club doesn't end up before Christmas and then everyone start again. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, where did you watch the Dublin game? Or are you in with the squad? Or are you giving a full break? Or how is it working? Um, I suppose, in fairness to Pete, I know in the management, they've, they've kind of left that, I suppose, after Christmas, uh, we Cork solely. Like before that, we were just tipping away with the gym. And like, you know, uh, obviously you, you want to be playing both club and, and county. Like, but realistically, you can't really do that. Like, you can't be playing GI. It, it, it's it's just very hard to mix both of them together, especially when, um, especially with injury and all that. Like, um, so in fairness, them they have left us going. and they have so given us our time with Cork, and um, they they wish us all the best. Like, but um, I saw looking in from the sideline, like they've they've been doing very well. Like. It's, Oh, I suppose being the up last in South Park last week, like you, you're itching to be a part of it, and, and yeah, go playing like and you know playing off South Park and stuff is, is, a, is a massive occasion. Like, um, but look, I suppose when you're in all there and fine with the club, like you kind of you're looking forward to that no more. I suppose. Well, that's true. So where, where where would you have watched the Dublin game? Would you have gone with a couple of the club lads just to watch it on the terrace, or? Yeah, I suppose it's the two or three club lads really went up to the terrace. Um, Myself, Shay Murphy, uh, and a few other club lads would have went up and, and watched the game together. Um, yes, as I see, yeah. What did you think of your first season uh, with Kerry then? So, like, you made, you made your debut against Clare last year, you hammered them, then hammered Cork, but then the wheels came off a little bit and probably didn't turn out to be the year you, you had hoped um, with Kerry. Um, yeah, definitely to say that. I was, I was kind of in a funny situation because I kind of missed all the league and yeah, I was I was pushing to get back, um, but yeah, it started very brightly for us. In fairness, you know, all all the games kind of had their highlights on their own. Like, and I suppose, as you say, the Galway game, it didn't it didn't really go quite to plan. Whatever the reason for that might be, um, but look, I think the Clones was a highlight. The Muster Final was a highlight. Obviously, the the fair, fair game was a highlight for me personally because it was my first senior carry game. Like, um, but. Yeah, it, it, it ended disappointingly, I suppose, in a funny way, winning the game down in Clarny, but you rode at the championship in, at the end of the day. Like, it was weird, like, but yeah. I suppose that's the, that's the whole idea of the Super Race now. Like, it's just given a, a, a different dynamic. Um, yeah. Well, first season in, in life, I, I suppose it was, I, you can take a positive and you can take a negative from this. I think from a positive point of view, where there was a lot of young players built into the team, like, um, Obviously, David Clifford, Johnny Shade, it was Jason Foley, Tommy Hall, Byrne, Shane Murphy. There was a lot of players that came into this that wouldn't have played before. Like, and I think that's 
probably one of the main positives we can take from our season next year. Like, and we can build on that for this season and, and, and the season coming forward. When Eamon Fitzmaurice uh, stepped down, he released a statement and he kind of referenced that the pressure that was on the team and he stepped down because he didn't want that pressure kind of being transferred to the younger players in the squad. He wanted you to be able to develop freely without that, you know, without that on your shoulders. Did you feel pressure last year? Had it gotten a little bit toxic down there or were you kind of sheltered from that? Um, I think we were kind of sheltered from it. Obviously, there was... There was there was a bit of pressure, right? Like so when you're when you're going up to Clonus, certainly a do or die game. Like you know, um, I suppose from from our from our point of view, we didn't really want to do that. We wanted to be top in the group and all that. Like so, maybe there was a small bit of pressure from from that point of view that we weren't performed against Galway and, and we really really needed a result up in Clonus. So I suppose there was a small bit there. Like um, from my own point of view, I suppose we were kind of. Just, John, we were we were living the lives like we we were we were from a professional point of view like we're, we're doing what we were, we all can play in football, playing with Terry like first season inside like so. Um, look, there's obviously going to be pressure with any competition like, uh, especially when you're when you're first year in and all that like. But I suppose there was a small bit of pressure right after the after the Galway game just to, just to get a result like, and I suppose maybe that was coming more from us than maybe the outside the camp because we knew that. We couldn't afford our season to be to be ended up in Malhen, but um, look, I think we we all performed very well up in Malhen to for the younger lads that played that day. Like, and I kind of, it kind of, I suppose, it kind of showed that we kind of maybe thrived under the pressure. But um, look, as you say, yeah, I think the pressure came from the pressure came from. From ourselves mainly, I would say, more than the outside. Right, right, OK. Come here, so you have Corrafin next. It's the final everybody wanted. And they owe you one because <laughs> you beat them uh, yeah. in the Gaelic rounds. You kind of you really surprised them that year because Crokes had made a habit of losing semi-finals up until that semi-final. And Corrafin were defending champions and they're a super, super team like ER. And you completely shocked them that day. Um, yeah, I suppose. I suppose going into that, there was this... There was a lot of nerves in the team, like as you say, we we lost a couple of um, a couple of semi-finals coming into that game, like so. I suppose it was kind of a small bit of a monkey in the back that we wanted to try to get off ourselves, and you know, I think that was one of our, our biggest performances that was that we that we've shown over the last couple of years against uh, against Carfin, and, and it, it did shock them, I suppose. Um, but I've no doubt they're going to, they're going to be well prepared in the same package, like 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 any other team that would be playing uh, in the training for in Cork Park on, on 17th of March, like. Um, so, Lucas, we we did. I suppose going into that game, the team was an awful lot different than what it was in previous years. There was a lot of younger fellas coming into the team. They kind of, they kind of renewed the team as well. But I suppose we we were known for our bench that year, and so we, we, we players like Tony and Hall to bring on, like and you know, and all playing with Terry and all, like, and, and, and Tony playing some serious footballs as well. Like so, when you fellas like that to come on after bench, they that really helped us that year. Um, and I suppose it, 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 it did take off in by a shot but I'm sure they won't be like that this year Yeah and Jordan Kiley came in off the bench I'm pretty sure as well yeah. and you, you started you're, you're the kind of four that have made Croaks turn from semi-final kind of going out at semi-final stage to actually being at the very top table yourself Tony Brosnan Jordan Kiley Michal Burns all, ki- all around similar age I think Tony Brosnan was born at a very unlucky time <laughs> right at the end of the year He was yeah Other yeah. than that he'd be around for minors in 14 but like I mean you, the four of you have kind of been that little bit of a spark that uh, Crokes needed. Yeah, look, I suppose we are. We, the four of us, when we play football, 
coming up to under 16s and minors. Um, Edmund O'Sullivan was over since he was accepted this year as well, like, and he and he kind of brought us on, brought us under his wing, and showed us in the right direction. And look, thankfully, we were able to bring that into the senior level so quickly. Like, um, look, and everyone knows that the step from minor to senior isn't an easy thing to do. Like, but we, we were we were very thankful that you know Pat with the likes of Pat and O'Sullivan and the likes below that they were able to help us along and, and bring us up. Very, very quickly. Yeah, just before I let you go, that's interesting with Pat O'Shea. So he's won All Ireland's with the Kerry seniors. He's now he won All Ireland club with you, Doctor Crokes, and still he has time in between those two. I'm sure to train you when you're under eight, under ten in the club. Has he always been involved with you coming up through the ranks, or um, would he just help out with underage now and then? Um, well, I suppose when I was minor, he he would have been kicking around. I suppose um, it was. He would have been he would have been manager I suppose it was maybe 2013 that he he took over the minor setup for a year, uh, but yeah I just look I don't know where he gets time from to do so like he'd be he'd be trying the senior team two or three times a week and then he'd go he'd go off to Crocs on Saturday morning and train the under eights and under tens like so it's it's a family commitment and so it's paying dividends at the moment. No, it definitely does. Come here. Come here, best of luck against Cora Finn in the final, uh, Gavin, and best of luck with Kerry this year. Thanks very much. Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home about where Bernard, I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D and in around that area. Watch for this in the semis in the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bound in a in a crowded area, but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're looking <laughs> well, out at me. Of a crowded with, area, isn't it? You're looking at me with such a confused <laughs> a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a Pointing coppers or something there in a crowded area. Yeah, watch for it. Paddy Power performance of the weekend, Conan. We're going to start with Kevin Cassidy. Uh, I know we mentioned him at the start of the show. So he got one two off Kieran Fitzgerald. Kieran Fitzgerald, now he's pushing on in years, but he's a big strong man, and you were thinking he would be a good physical matchup for mm. Kevin Cassidy. Um still think Kevin Cassidy is massively underused I don't think he's used enough his two points were out of the top drawer proper full full forward points where he's winning the ball in front showed left pull back put it over with the right the other one showed left turned right his his goal I don't think his goal should be underestimated what a great finish that was with a bullet with his left foot so his two points were his right foot genuinely if Kevin Cassidy is thinking of retiring don't oh my god in that role there's another three or four years for him Easily, he's a ball of energy. When he gets the ball, like a completely different type of player to Ian Burke. But when Kevin Cassidy gets the ball, you're thinking something's going to happen here now yeah. for Guido. Like I think it's criminal how they underuse him, though. I really do. Like their game plan should be get the ball early to him and have Keen Mulligan, who's got great pace. Mm. Burst them past him. I think they can have a better game plan up front. I do think they can get more out of that. It does, yeah. On the one hand, like they're such good runners, and that's like their game plan. And it's yeah, they're using the runners further back to field. I'd rather see these Carroll and, and Mulligan running off Cassidy yeah. and actually change their game plan. Now they probably think they don't need to change their game plan; they just want an Ulster. But I'd like <laughs> yeah. to see more variety to their game plan then, rather. Yeah, it seems to me like McNeilish and Mulligan seem to be the ones who are, are thinking about getting it into him and always looking up. McGee, in fairness, ball. too. McGee 
as like well. He looks yeah, furnished, yeah. So, but the rest of them are always just running and popping it and running and, like, yeah. you know, and like, then you look at the space, like sometimes when the ball goes in, you're like, how was this not played every time? Yeah. Like, it's just always this big gap in front and, of them. And even sometimes I was watching Cassidy off camera and he might be doing this with his hand as in he wants one over the top. Yeah. Not one over the top did he get one. Yeah. And he could do that. Like, I mean, he got one half chance from Neil McGee that was yeah. going for a point, but that wasn't Was he it. going for a point? I, I thought think he was. He was. I don't think so. I don't know. I thought they sort of looked to his side to to try and play it. McGee, Neil McGee gets notions when he gets up yeah, that far. True. But in <laughs> fairness to him, he has scored them in Crow Park. Yeah. He scored one in an All Ireland final. Hasn't when he, he goes, he normally scores. He does. Like, he yeah. Doesn't miss, like. So that's why I think Neil McGee was going for it. But like, I mean, just give Cassidy one over the top. He's yeah. in, if a break, if what, the great thing about Cassidy, he's got so much fire in his belly. That ball hits the ground. He's going to win it. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? He's burly and he's he's got that kind of never say die. He he's going to win that ball even if it breaks. He'll win his own break. Do you mm. know that kind of? Is? And that's that's why you have to. That's why he wants so much ball in front as well because you have to mark him from behind. Like you, you can't mark him from the front because he'll catch everything yeah. above your head. It's too much of a risk. And Fitzgerald was always behind him and Cassidy could get it in front. But like that's a good point that you made about winning his own breaks. How I many like it's two or three times where he didn't win the ball cleanly. Yeah, and he still manages to hold two boys off poke it out the other side and pick yeah. it up again like ah, it's, it's, it's just complete destruction when he gets destruction it. Like, don't <laughs> retire just yeah. don't because he's very good to watch and that's what frustrates me in that I don't think he's 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 used enough I mean Gary Sice scored 1-7 he was outstanding and sometimes when you look at the Currafin forward line you don't necessarily think Gary Sice the danger man you think Farahers, you think Ian Burke you think Lundy mm. kind of first Sice I think he played in the corner it's probably hard to tell on television it looked like he was playing corner forward it was a more it was a deeper role than usual he gives lovely ball he's a great football brain his goal was out of the very top drawer like we've all played soccer how difficult the technique was yeah. what he did there <laughs> to bullet that into the top like I mean that was not an easy chance it was, it was just class after picking himself up off the ground as well yeah and he's done this in all Ireland finals I, I think I, I reckon Sice while not nationally known I reckon in the Corrafin club He's worked his way. You know what I mean. He's really yeah. appreciated in his own club. He seems like a real leader yeah, of the team as leader, well. Leader, like, yeah. He's taking the freeze he, before he takes him. He's telling everybody where to stand because we're getting ready for the kick out. Well, here that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to stand right here after I kick it, and it's just mad. Like again, you talk about routines and stuff, but he's just making sure everybody's ready for the next play before I stroke this over. Yeah, and then we'll win it again. Then like, but yeah, he's just he is. I'd say he's just like an absolute legend in Corfu. Yeah, like, and he gives he gives some lovely ball into the forward line as well. So he's top class. They just have so many ways of hurting you. There's so many different uh, types of forwards that can hurt you in different ways. Mm. Um, Gavin White, we talked to him in part two. Like, I mean, the roadrunner, he's just non-stop. The speed of him is unbelievable. And it's going to be interesting with the, the Kerry half-back line now, who's working with Tyg Morley, Paul Murphy and Thomas Sullivan, who's playing really well, mm. where Gavin White fits in. He will have to fit in. So, like, I mean, it's interesting. I'm not sure you could potentially go with Gavin White, Paul Murphy and Thomas Sullivan because you'd maybe need Morley to mark a Kieran Kilkenny or something, do you know? Yeah. And I'm not sure any of the three of them can play in the full back line, which would be an awful waste of yeah. the talent. So, there's somebody out of... Because I think Morley will be needed for his man-marking ability. I think maybe White, Murphy and a Sullivan... Two into three might or three into two might not go there. I was thinking that you know, Peter Kane might find space for one of them in the half forward line, but then there's far too many forwards as well. Unless, but do, do, he's play, uh, Paul Murphy could potentially play the wing forward role because Jonathan Lyon is playing that and he wants a work in half forward. Mm. And Murphy's obviously played that role for him at Fitzmaurice before at centre half forward and at wing forward. So that is an option. It's definitely an option because yeah. White has to come back into that team. He's just a he's 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 just an incredible he's an incredible incredibly powerful yeah. dynamic. 
half back. I'd say he makes actually your teammates lazy because it's like get it to him and we're out of defense. Like yeah. you know, he's the sort of boy once he gets it, everybody else relaxes because he just takes a pass three people and goes. Like you know, yeah. that's that's such a rare talent. And it, it has to it has to be played in anything, like including carries. Like it's just too good. Like it's, it's too easy for him to get out of defense, and that's the most important thing nowadays. It is breaking you know? into that clear open space. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Tony Brosnan, we're big fans of Tony Brosnan on the uh, show ever since last year when he scored that amazing tally in the Kerry Championship. The whole Croke full forward and actually Shaw um, O'Leary and Brosnan they scored 13 points um, 11 of them were from play so like I mean they ran him up but Brosnan just has pure class in his feet like I mean the different points he scored one was from a diagonal ball over the top where it was an impossible angle his back was to the goals and he just knew where he just knew where the goal was mm. so a real finisher another one was where he showed it out with his left uh, hand brought it in and do you know he's just a beautiful player a beautifully balanced player and with the guaranteed supply of ball you're getting fr- with the, the Croak style of play, it just must be a beaut. They're 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 similar, but they're different in the way. I think Doctor Croaks are that little bit more aesthetically pleasing on the eye. Carafin are still very ni- very good as well. More functional. They're more functional. Say? I think yeah. Croaks are more flair. They're more yeah. like they go. Jesus, these lads are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like every time I watch Tony Brosnan, though, I just be like ah. Oh. He is just far better than I ever will be. Like, you know, and I just get so jealous of how good he is. And like you're saying about he knows where the post is. He, he seems to know where every defender is around him as well. And it doesn't matter how little space he has. He's got like the best sidestep in Ireland probably. Like, and that, that, that show and sends somebody five yards away from him, comes back in, puts it over. He's just another lethal, lethal player. I think yeah. like looking at him, I don't know. Like, do you think he'll get into the carry team? Like it's going to be hard to see him not in the Kerry team. See, it's very hard to get on that Kerry team because you've got Clifford and Gini in there straight away. It's pretty good, already. Right? Like I mean, and the, the way they're maybe playing at the moment, they could be leaving those two inside. You know what I mean? I don't see, I don't see Brosnan or anybody else playing. You see, James O'Donoghue might not get in. He'd be up against James O'Donoghue if they're playing an orthodox three man. I think the way Kerry are lining up at the moment they'll go just with Clifford and Gini inside and there's some great options there for diagonal balls mm. long balls whatever way you want it unless they play Brosnan or uh, James O'Donoghue on the top of the D in front of these two lads do you know what I mean yeah. and then you have Tommy Walsh to factor in there as well like I mean they've got, they have serious options yeah. Kerry have of different ways to hurt you uh, but Brosnan's definitely in the mix for coming on for Kerry yeah, I don't see him as yeah. a starter I don't see him as a starter I see Shaw in the mix for Kerry in a few mm-hmm. years time um, he's got a load of potential obviously Kieran O'Leary has been there before um, and he's just still top class. Like it's interesting, Kieran O'Leary obviously would have been way behind Gooch in the pecking order all his career, and now he's starting full forward ahead of him. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I think that must be weird for all. It's obviously weird for all of those, uh, all of those players. Last up on the list is Kieran Malai. So this lad's another road runner. Like I mean, these this is the just the new breed of halfbacks now that never stop running. So Malai he's obviously eye-catching with his long hair so he, he always seems to be because teams drop off so when Malai gets on a ball early in a move he's in his half-back line he's usually getting it from a standing you know he, nobody's marking him yeah. he usually carries the ball forward at at pace because he only knows one way you would never see Burke or you never see Malai kind of coming infield or he, yeah. just go, he just goes straight then he'll move it on and Invariably, at the end of every move, he's in on the six-yard <laughs> box. So, like, I mean, so it, I think it was Steed that had a goal chance early on for Corafin. Uh It was Burke to pass it. I'm pretty sure it was Malloy to pass it back to him. Burke was in the mix. Then you had 
the the size goal he was in the mix for that as well and then for the Farragher goal if you see that you just see the replay of that who's behind him Malloy just in, like he's on the end he's yeah. now, now we're not talking this lad's getting up to support for a kick a kick a point running he's on the six yard box at the end of nearly every move <laughs> and then for the kick out this lad's heading on back into his wing back position and he's on you sprinting back as yeah, well like, sprinting yeah. back like I mean this is just on a different level of fitness I reckon the likes of Gavin Burke but I think even or Gavin White I think even uh, Kieran Malloy he is even on a different level altogether because obviously with Gavin White he carries the ball an awful lot uh, whereas Kieran Malai will carry it a bit but then he goes without the ball an yeah. awful lot so you, Gavin White wouldn't end up on the six yard box if he hasn't carried it to there do you know what I mean he did it yesterday but he's carrying it there yeah. are different types of fel- of of att- like a attacking wing backs it just seems to be every single thing he just follows it like uh, up the pitch like, yeah. you know, even like the ones he doesn't start he's just following in just in case and then sprinting back it's just a racehorse like it doesn't it doesn't tire like, and you watch even the Sigerson Cup highlights I know it's a little like level below maybe not from club but like he um, like the amount of goals he gets and that as well the amount of times he's there like and he has a shot blocked and somebody else puts it in and always oh, just stand around the six yard box and the highlights reels as well do you know where it is it's 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 unbelievable like and he just doesn't ever seem to slow up no definitely not right the winner of performance of the weekend Paddy Power performance of the weekend is Kevin Cassidy I think at his age I think that performance um, he did everything possible to keep uh, Guido in it and I think if he got a bit more ball he could have done a, a little bit more damage so 1-2 um, against Corafin on the losing team um, outstanding performance by him and that's it so we're down left to two oh, kind of, oh yes I meant to ask you about so we're talking about club today so you had a big club game <laughs> yeah. at the weekend talk to me about it you were on the field with your hero um, Dear McConnelly Never meet your heroes will they? Did you get a paw on him? Did you land? Did you land anything on him? Do you know what I, I've always dreamed of playing against Dear McConnelly and I, I don't know why <laughs> So you're wing forward right? I'm wing forward yeah. And he's centre forward for the other team so you would have come into con- contact no? Yeah, a couple of times. One time, I just I genuinely didn't get a finger on him. He actually just sidestepped me, and by the time I reshuffled and got my feet set, he was going to the other side and swinging it over off his left. And <laughs> you know, it was one of those ones where you can hear the team around you going, "Ah, Conan, come on!" And I'm like, oh, "It's Jim Conley, give me a break!" Like I'm trying to get my hand on him. And another time, I forced him the hand pass. That's why I saw that as a success. Okay, but, would you not have gone? Um, I was shot in at his ribs there or something, and let him know you're about. Let him know. You know that you're there, that you're to I be taken never seriously. That's a Jim McConnell. Respect him far too much. My only, my only tactic was to tell him how much I loved him and, <laughs> and hope he would turn around and empty me because of it. But um, so he was in good form, was he? Anyway? I was. Yeah, he scored four, um, three off the left. Like, it doesn't really matter for him, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, and just pinging some passes and just looks in great shape as well. Yeah. Did you shake his hand at the end of the game? No, I didn't. What's I didn't, going on I didn't here? Spot him. I didn't. I don't know where he was at that stage, and I was trying to just you know not make too big. We lost the game, so <laughs> didn't want to be making about me and Jeremy. Well, you could have done. You could have said, Dermot, if you're sitting out the year, we've got room for you on the show if you want. There, you could have done a bit of networking uh, for the show here. I was polite enough to him during the game. Never mind after it. Like you know, I wasn't going to just give him all that respect, but. Ah, yeah, he's a, he's a good player, I can confirm it. Okay, right, well listen, I'm glad, I'm glad we got that confirmed. Right, that's all <laughs> we have time for. We'll be back on Thursday um, where we preview the National League. Talk to you then. All right, good luck. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to... to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he gets such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we put him back in their f***ing 
The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.